Hello and welcome to the Gagan Press part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. My name is Andrew Headspeeth. Over the next half an hour or so, we're talking all things Liverpool FC. With me, as always, is my toppest of top reds. It's Mr. Alex Purdy. How are you, Purds? Buzzing, mate. We made some signings on deadline day. It's not usually oh like Oh my us. God. We've got actual centre-backs. Some more players, new toys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I am joined by uh, the BBC's Emma Sanders. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, I'm with Perds. We've got some defenders. Happy days. Exactly. And finally, the biggest deadline day signing of them all. You know from LFC Day Trippers and from 90 Min's own channel. It is Grizz Khan. How are you, sir? I'm not as topper, topper, uh, topper than Alex, but I'm fine. I'm, <laughs> no I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Thank you. Uh, well, let's get straight into it, guys. Deadline day, what a deadline day it was. Um, I've seen people saying it's it's Liverpool's biggest deadline day since that uh, 2011 where we ended up with uh, Andy Carroll. Uh, hopefully it might be a little bit more successful than that. But, you know, it had all the elements. We had flight trackers. We had following WAG social media posts on, on online. It was a bit of a Michael Edwards masterclass in the end. It had it all. I mean, Emma, you were covering it. What did you What did you make of the day? Yeah, it was all a bit mental because it was, I mean, as as it always is on deadline day, it's a domino effect, isn't it? So it's, you, you kind of waiting on, on one defender to move, you know, in order for another one to go, etc. So it was a little bit like that with Liverpool with the case of, you know, waiting for Mustafi to, to head off in order for, um, you know, for, for Cabot to come the other way. So it was... Um, it was a waiting game, but I think everyone knew it was going to happen at some point, wasn't it? I think, you know, the, the Ben Davis one was, was pretty much signed and sealed before deadline day. So, um, yeah. very steady. Um, I, you know, I was the same before, before we started recording that I was on the live for, for over seven hours and absolutely nothing happened. Like, honestly, we were talking <laughs> about, we were talking about food. We were talking about music, anything that wasn't to do with football transfers just to keep our bosses happy. So, um, very long day <laughs> but it ended with yeah with Michael Edwards being an absolute god again so two brand new centre-backs is that is that someone in your household group is getting in on the conversation behind you <laughs> it's the excitement uh we haven't slept do you know what I mean and uh, um you know this is what transfer deadline day action does for 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 the for the yeah. Khan household um, I should tell you that to so, the listeners that that wasn't actually a child in Chris's house. That was just Chris himself. With that pure <laughs> yeah, child, exactly. Childlike excitement. Oh man! Well, uh, but look at that. I'm so sorry about that. It's, uh, this is what daytime uh, daytime pods does. Um, but yeah, look, the excitement's there. Um, we brought in two centre backs, and that's the main thing, I guess. Um, when you, we, if we want to sort of go into it and the quality and can they add something to this squad well most definitely they can um at this stage and the stage we're at is state of emergency you know we haven't got any able and fit ones so from that point of view yes they definitely can help um in terms of sort of saying how successful and how you know how happy we are with the, with them overall only time can tell yeah and, we'll have to wait. you know absolutely there's no point judging them now it would be foolish and naive to do so so yeah look We've got centre-backs, as you guys say, happy days from that aspect. And now we sort of focus in the task in hand. You just, you don't seem entirely happy, I've got to say, Grizz. There's slightly a burning disappointment, uh, frustration. Frustration there is probably the right word, right? Yeah, 
it's frustration. I, I wouldn't call it sort of anything more than that at this stage, <laughs> because for the fact we haven't seen them play in terms of in this squad, in this team, we've, we know about them. We've read all the scouting reports for them. We've seen the YouTube highlights, but until we see them play, we can't judge them. I just think, you know, I think, was it Gary Neville that said it once that if you're doing business on deadline day, it's not a good sign and frantically doing business on the last day, it's not a good sign. And that's the only mm. thing I'm wary about. Uh, Perds, how, how happy are you? We ran a poll on the Gagan Press's uh, Twitter asking which defender they would most like to see arrive. Oz and Kabak did win with 30% of the vote, but it was closely followed by uh, the option, who are these people? So, you know, it's there's a lot of sort of, not doubt, but just people don't know a lot about Oz and Kabak or, or Ben Davis. So are you just happy to see the numbers like bolstered in defence or would you have liked to have seen a bigger name arrive? Yeah, 100%. Look, I voted for who are these people because <laughs> I've never heard of them other than being linked with Liverpool. Um, but I'm over the moon that we've brought two people in. I think we've done it on deadline day because Matip was revealed to be injured for the rest of the season on deadline day. Um, yeah. we, signed, we signed Ben Davis the day before, right? So yes, it's, it's sort it's sort of last minute, but I can see why we waited that long. Um, so yeah, move Henderson back into midfield. Now we've got two options at the back. Um, great day, in my opinion. Right, let's get into what we actually know about them. Starting with uh, the man from Schalke, Ozan Kabak. He's on a six-month loan with an option rather than obligation to buy, which we think is around eighteen million. Uh, from a financial perspective, Emma, that's that's pretty much a perfect deal, right? It's sort of a, it's a bit of a freebie, um, and there's if he doesn't work out, you can you can just sort of send him back, try before you buy. Yeah, so I I believe Liverpool have had to pay one million in loan fees up front as well, um, and yeah, as you say, I think it's eighteen million for the option to buy plus add-ons. Um, but I still think you know he's he's only twenty, so I think that's with the view of it being a long-term investment. Um, I think out mm. of out of the, the three defenders that we were linked with, um, I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert on all three, but he he was the one I <laughs> go I, you on know, I, pretend. I, <laughs> well, he's he's the one I'd say I probably heard a little bit more about and probably know a little bit more about. So I was probably more excited by him than than you know than than perhaps Ben Davis and um, and the guy from Marseille who I'm not even going to try and pronounce his his name. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, car, I think. Isn't it? No, no, I've been. Well, our listeners okay. and viewers last night sort of um, convinced us that it was Coletta Saar. Saar. Oh, okay. well, there you go. There yeah, you go. Coletta Saar. Nah. So, well, 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 we might well, be hearing that name. Sense. I was going to say, we might be hearing that game again in the summer because with Quebec, if it doesn't work out, I mean, he can always be sent back and, and maybe this is where we'll be going into the market for a player like Coletta Saar, who might be available then, or Diot Upamecano, or another name. So... I think sure. for me, that is the benefit of the Quebec deal. Yeah, and I think you're right. Look, it's, it's, it's a short-term deal because of what Grizz says. It's, it's an emergency state. But I think, I think from Liverpool's perspective, obviously, he's, he's had high praise from David Wagner, who Jurgen Klopp holds in high regard. He's, I think, you know, in the German league, he's kind of been around. He's got a little bit of experience. I think he struggled to kind of show what he's made of so far. I think I, I think he was in a relegated Stuttgart team and then he's gone to Schalke and they've not done particularly well. I don't think their defensive record is particularly well. So <laughs> on paper, I don't think there's, you know, too much to get you excited about. But I think like from an individual perspective, I think he's meant to be, you know, pretty good in one-on-one -on -one situations, quite good airily. So I think the question marks mm. over him is, 
is how he's going to fit into this Liverpool team because I don't think we've really seen much of him as a ball-playing centre-back. Um, and that is obviously a big part of the, of the way that, that Liverpool play. And that's obviously something that, you know, personally, I think John Matip is, is really good at, is obviously bringing that ball out from the back. And that's what we've really missed from Virgil van Dijk this season. So um, I think there's certainly question marks over him. And I think, as Grace has touched on, I think the disappointing thing is that, from my perspective, I think it was quite obvious in the summer that we needed another centre-back. Going into, you know, the defence of a Premier League title off the back of two seasons previously where we'd reached European finals and gone, you know, the whole length in the season. Um, I think it was a matter of time before we had injuries, long-term injuries. Um, we'd been but no one could fortunate. have predicted this. Though, no, no, sure. Like, no, but even, even if only one of our centre-backs had got injured, you know, you still mm. then left with Matip, who was always very injury-prone anyway. I think the second yeah. that Dejan Lovren was allowed to leave the club, I think a replacement needed to be brought in. I think that's that's a disappointing thing, is that... Yes, nobody could have foreseen this happening, but I think you could have planned for it. Um, and that's what Liverpool didn't do. So I think, look, on the day, Michael Edwards turned up. I think it was good business. Um, I think Kavat, you know, like you say, it's a bit of a freebie. It's a hit. It's a it's a free hit. Let's see how he does. Um, good work. Same with Ben Davis. Um, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's only a couple of million. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the problem is that we probably should have gone for somebody with, you know, better quality in the first place months previously. Well, regarding the the relegation battles thing, I mean, I guess you can always say the same thing about players like Andy Robertson and, and yeah. Jeannie Wijnaldum as well, who have gone on. So I wouldn't judge him too much on that. As far as the panic buy thing goes, I mean, obviously they've been put in that situation, but the reports say that he was a player that people were quoted 35 million for back last summer. So, I mean, the price has clearly gone down since then. I know Schalke are in, in pretty dire financial straits, as are a lot of clubs at the moment. So, I mean, it's not like days of old when we're having to splash out big for, for Andy Carroll. I think there is a little bit more canniness there in the market. Is he a player you know much about, Grizz? Um, yes, I do, actually. And, and, and for the very reason that I, I had some intel that we did want him in the summer, um, and we were quoted 30 million, but we were only willing, and this is the this is the crucial part, we were only willing to part with 15 million for him in the summer. So we've known about him for a while, but we were only willing to give them 15 million. They refused that. They refused that in the knowledge that other clubs wanted him. They weren't in dire, dire straits at that time. This is uh, back in August, um, July, August time. Um, and so therefore they said no to us and they've got every right to say no. That indicates to me that we were looking at centre-backs from that period. And we, of course, we, we know now that we were. We now got to a point in January where we, in my opinion, we wouldn't have done the second centre-back if Matip wasn't ruled out for the season. And this is what's slightly frustrating for me. I think we would have still done the Ben Davies deal because um, it makes financial sense. It makes sense in terms of he's, you know, played in the played in England. All right, he hasn't played in the Premier League, but he's played in the Championship, which is and, and he's supposed to be the best centre back in the in the Championship by a few, uh, by a few, you know, said by a few people that have watched him play a lot. Um, so they would have done the Ben Davis deal. What's frustrating is they waited on the last day. And yes, we got um, Kabak on a brilliant financial deal. I absolutely get that. So from 30 million to 18 or 19 million, if we, if we take up the option 
to buy. Yep. I personally think we're not going to take that option to buy. I literally think it's a stopgap for six months. I understand if he if he absolutely does amazing and then we have no part of the, but no option but to take the no, uh, option to buy. I get that, mm-hmm. but but I just you know I think the way we've done it, we've we, we you know as Emma says we know we knew about the situation even if we didn't. Maybe I agree with their policy about the summer. We knew what we were going into with Gomez, Virgil and Matip and then Fabinho as a fourth choice. I accepted that. I thought, okay, this could work. But the moment Virgil and Gomez was ruled out, Andy, we should have had an an, an able deputy on the 1st of January lined up, in my opinion. That's the frustrating part. Kabak is wonderful. Kabak is a young centre-back, very raw, very, very strong, amazing in the air. but he's young and when and, and all young center backs make mistakes he does make a lot of individual errors and mistakes he's very rash he's very he's, he, I, I described him as a cross between Lovren and Skirtle um oh, and I, mean, I know that's, that's not, not with a lot of I mean I know that's not filling with yeah a lot of confidence but the difference being he's 20 and so he's got a lot of time to grow he's got a lot of time to be sort of uh you know groomed under the under the stewardship of, of Pep Linders and and Klopp um, and that fills me with confidence because he has the raw attributes to be a, a very good centre back. Mm. Okay, I, well, let's... I think the key. Sorry to jump in, Andy. I, I was just going to say, ahead. I think I think the key with this is that he's essentially being brought in as a third or fourth choice centre back. Really, let's think about yeah. it because he's obviously it's going to be Van Dijk, Gomez, and then if Matip stays, you know, him as a third choice. So, would would you take Lovren back now as a fourth choice centre back? I would. So if you know if we're bringing in a player that people are saying are, are like a. Uh, you know, a Lovren, then as a fourth choice centre back for somebody on a six month loan who's 20 years old, I'd take that. But Emma, yeah. he's, a, he's a first choice in this six month loan, isn't he? He will, well, yeah, he will yeah. have to this, play. This now. is what I was going to yeah, ask. That, yeah, so I, I, I think, I think that, that was a problem because obviously, because we didn't plan ahead, you're essentially going into this market having to buy a third or fourth choice centre back because nobody who is a first choice quality. Is going to come to Liverpool knowing that Virgil van Dijk and Joe Gomez, as soon as they're back mm. from injury, are walking straight back into the team. And that's the problem. So going into this market, it was always going to be a case of picking up a, a centre-back that was third or fourth choice, and it was trying to get the best one around. Hey, you talk about uh, taking Lovren at this point. I mean, before yesterday, I would have taken Alex Purdy at centre-back. Thank you. <laughs> going into the second half of the season. Uh, Perz, let's move on to, to Ben Davis. Uh, what do we know about him do we expect him to play much at all in this situation? Uh, I've heard him described as being like a sort of a Clavan style player with pace. What do you know about him, <laughs> if anything? I hope I'm not putting you too much on the spot here. Well, well you are, because not much. <laughs> but um, Klopp's comments that he said, you know, we wouldn't be looking at Preston if we weren't in this situation. Well, yeah. well of course, but let's not That's forget. a weird thing to say. It is a it? weird thing to say, but... It's especially weird because we signed Joe Gomez from Charlton and look how good he is. And Charlton were in yeah. a much worse state than Preston. I mean, potentially I guess the difference is they signed Joe Gomez. Yeah, the difference is they signed Joe Gomez when he was about 18, I think, whereas Ben Davis now is, is 25. Uh, I'll read you Klopp's comments verbatim, though, which were on the Liverpool website with, uh, with Ben Davis's announcement. So I think it's probably clear that in a normal transfer window, without any issues, we would not look at Preston if there's a player for us or something like that. It's not really likely. I mean, no. you can think you can think that Klopp, but maybe don't, maybe don't say it in the in the guy's welcome I mean, video. I he, mean, I guess he is right though because 
we don't have the funds this transfer window and we're in an absolute desperation panic buy situation so we wouldn't be looking at a 25 year old from Preston but yeah maybe don't say it but uh, for only two mil that's fine and he will be what's that like our fifth choice now yeah are we are we expecting him Grizz I'll go to you on this are we expecting him to be sort of flipped then maybe in, in the summer or 18 months down the line just to be sold on and, and sort of forgotten about after filling in for these six months, I don't know what you see as his as, as his trajectory, or or is there a view that he can be a Liverpool player long term? You mentioned the name Clavin, and I think um, that's a very good example of what we see him as, um, what his future may be with us. Exactly like Clavin, Clavin used to step in and do a, a very able job. Clavin never moaned. Clavin never sort of caused any issues when he's not in the team. A very good trainer, a very good uh, team member. I expect Ben Davis to be exactly the same. It's an absolute dream come true for the kid. I say kid. He's 25, 26. He's Which is weird me. because he's I'm actually older me. than... Yeah, yeah he's exactly. He's older than Kabak. And you think Absolutely. that... Yeah, yeah, Kabak's probably coming in at the more senior level, right? But Ben Davis is actually the, the more senior player. Durability. He's played a lot of games. That's the only thing I know about him. No, but he's look, 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 he's played a lot of games in the championship. And as I said, by all accounts, he's a very, very uh, ball playing centre back. Um, you know, some people sort of compared him to Laporte um, at, at Man City, obviously not as good as Laporte, but sort of playing style stylistically. Similar but Clavin's style. a very good, so Clavin's a very good example in terms of the profile of the player and what he what, what his standing will be in the squad as well. I think that's pretty spot on. You know, he'll be, as uh, we've paid five hundred grand for him, right? That's nothing. Um, and if plus add-ons, plus add-ons, yeah. But you know, we'd be very happy to give those add-ons. You know, if they come yeah. through, if you know what I mean. Do you know what I mean? So it's a win-win situation financially. I think I think he could be a very astute signing. Um, my, me personally, the jury's out on Kabak because of the fact that I sort of micro-analysed him since I knew that we we're interested in him. So obviously, I've got a bit more knowledge on Kabak um, with regards to Davis. I think you know you've got to trust our scouting scouting network. We're the, we're the best around, mm -hmm. and so if they've seen something in him, then you know I'm very happy to go with that. So we touched on this a moment ago, actually, but the, the pecking order of centre-backs now, if we take out Van Dijk from this and Gomez and Matip, who are not going to be there for the rest of the season, we're just talking about the second half of this season, what is the, the pecking order of centre-backs now? Because for me, I imagine that Fabinho will still be there as a centre-back because I don't think Klopp is likely to throw those two in together, at least from the beginning. Emma, you're, you're nodding at me. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's Fabinho is our best, our best defender by a clear mile. Um, from mm -hmm. from what we've been told, and as you say, like we haven't seen them play yet, so that's no disrespect to the two boys who've just come in. But you know, Fabinho was above Joel Matip in the pecking order, so um, yeah. he's the number one. Which again comes down to one of the issues that I was saying before. It's we still have a midfielder who is our first choice centre back uh, that could have been avoided. Um, so yeah, Fabinho for me, absolutely number one. Um, then I'd probably say, you know, it's going to be a mixture between perhaps Phillips and Kabak, I'd say, going for that for that second role. It wouldn't surprise me if Henderson starts against Man City alongside mm. Fabinho, um, just because I think throwing in one of those kids, um, you know, as in, but I say kids, Phillips is obviously older, but Phillips or Kabak, 
um, or Davis, uh, you know, throwing them yeah. in for the City game. I just, I, I can't see Klopp doing that. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be Fabinho, probably Kabak, Phillips, Slash, um, and then and then Davis. Mm. Perds, would you agree with that? Or you think it's something that's sort of going to, like, it's a puzzle that Klopp will work out as the season goes on, maybe? Yeah, it will be exactly that. I think I think Phillips will do it for the time being as they as they bed in. But I think we've done this to get Henderson back in midfield, basically. So I, mm-hmm. I think I think Henderson will play the City game in midfield and will will play Phillips this week and then slowly Fabinho has to be there to play alongside them for the experience. And then it's either Phillips or Kabak and then sort of rotate in Davies if someone sorry, when someone gets injured. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, so how long, we should have a little uh, bet on this, how long before one of those two new signings gets ruled out for the rest of the season? You can't entirely? jinx it. 25 Don't minutes. Jinx yeah. It. yeah, 25 <laughs> minutes into their debut. Uh, but yeah, on that, how big a blow then is is Matip out for the rest of the season? I mean, it was probably quite canny from Liverpool to to keep that under wraps, at least until they got their, their business done on, on deadline day. But that's a that's a pretty huge blow, isn't it, Emma? Yeah, it is because you know, as as I sort of said before, he was he was essentially you know the the only centre back, um, actual centre back. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I think I personally I really like John Matip as a person. I think he's you know he's brilliant. He's a good professional. He's a good team member. I think he you know he lifts everyone around. Um, we know that when he's you know when he's in good form, he is he's he's a very good centre back. Um, he's nothing amazing. He's you know, but he's 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 a very solid centre back. Um, so Liverpool will certainly miss him. It is it is a big blow. It is a massive blow. I don't think we can underestimate it. Um, I think it feels less of a blow because it feels like it was coming. And I think that's yeah. that's that's the frustrating thing is that he's just never really got going at Liverpool. Um, he's sort of been just... our he's sort of been our Ledley King for a while now. Really, he has. <laughs> yeah, he has. I mean, that's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, Joel and Ledley. Um, but yeah, I mean. Uh, the sad thing for me is that I think this is probably, you know, heading towards the end of his of his Liverpool career now, this. Um, and I think that's, from a personal point of view for him, um, I just think that's that's really sad because I think he had such a good ceiling to grow under Klopp. And I think we have seen him develop really well. Um, but yeah, I think sadly it's it's just coming to the to the end for him. The memes and the gifts will live on forever, though, won't they? <laughs> uh, one player whose uh, Liverpool career well, is over for the time being, at least, is Takumi Minamino. It wasn't all incomings on deadline day. He has gone out on loan to Southampton. Uh, Grizz, do you see this as a goodbye for him? Or is it a sort of last chance to impress? What's What's gone on there exactly? Because he hasn't really been in and around the first team for a while now at Liverpool. <sighs> Strange one. <clears throat> Strange one. Um, cynics will say that FSG have balanced the books. Um, you know, meaning that we've got the loan fees back as well with this um, and so on. You know, the net spend boys will be happy. Um, But look, I I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. There is is something there that Klopp's not happy with, um, whether it's training or whether he doesn't think he's adapted enough or we don't know. It's very surprising to see sort of any Liverpool player go out on loan, especially one that's sort of in and around the first team. You could have understood if he was a youngster and wasn't getting any games, but mm. this guy's been there for us for, for a season now, I think, 
probably. It's one year. It turns, came last, sort last of. January. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a one year. Sorry, calendar year. Um, and look, in my opinion, I'm going to be honest, Andy. I think Klopp's got a fair record of keeping players that he sees that have a future there within the squad, i.e. sort of Curtis Jones types. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't let them go out on loan, especially mm. in the in, especially in the middle of a, of a of a congested season and sort of the the state of our injuries. You know, players falling falling out. Every other week, Mane's out or, or Mo's out or Bobby's out or Jota's out for a fair while now. Shakur is in and out of the team. So you'd think that we'd keep all our options available. But unfortunately, uh, they've decided to let him go. I don't think that's a good sign for the player himself personally. But then again, let's see. Many think that, oh, he'll he'll get game time. He'll, he'll sort of, you know, um, have a chance to impress, adjust to the Premier League. I'm not so sure. I think I think um, I don't see him being a regular starter for Southampton, and that's that's the that's the issue I have. Unless he's been guaranteed playing time, which I don't see any Premier League team doing, it's a strange one. That's all I can say about it. I'm going to steal some jokes that I saw on on Twitter about this: as that perhaps the best way for Minamino to get into the Liverpool team is to perform well for Southampton. That's what everyone was saying. Go. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we will see what happens on that. I mean, for me personally, I'll be quite sad to see him go because I was quite excited when he came. He looked like a real prospect at uh, at Salzburg. And, um, you know, there's, there's not enough top quality Asian footballers in, in, in elite um, European football. So he was an exciting one. We'll see how he gets on. And uh, hopefully, uh, from my perspective, at least, it won't be a, it won't be a goodbye. It will just be a chance for him to, to show what he can do. Um, all right, we'll take a quick break there. And when we come back, we'll be talking about the games coming up against Brighton and Man City. All right, and we're back. So first up, it's Brighton on Wednesday. Emma, are these games suddenly looking a lot less scary after the last uh, two outings and the signings and everything else that's gone on in the last in the last week? Uh, I would certainly say the last two results have helped. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure um, the last two signings have helped because, like I say, I think these two games are probably going to be too soon for both both of the signings anyway. I'd be surprised you if, think? if either of them play. Yeah, um, I think Brighton perhaps, but as you know, as I said before, for Man City, for me, it, it's Henderson and Fabinho. I would love to see Henderson back in midfield. Uh, you know, I've been dying for it all season, but um, <laughs> but you know, I I I just can't see him putting any of, can't see Klopp throwing them in for the Man City game. So not, not so yeah, Phillips, Emma. Uh, oh yeah, Phillips, but he's obviously not one of the new signings, is he? No, but you said Henderson and Fabinho at the back. Could you oh, see yeah. Phillips and yeah. Fabinho? Yeah, yeah, I, I, still, I, could, I, was, I, I could see that. I think there were still doubts that Fabinho might not be fit for this game as well. I think they were talking about him coming back from Man City. So it might be a case of, yeah, yeah Phillips and Henderson or Kabak and Henderson or something. Yeah, might be a bit makeshift. Yeah, um, yeah so it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But no, yeah, I, like you're right, players. I think I think Phillips has definitely got a shout. But yeah, I mean, certainly from my point of view, I don't think either of the new signings will be involved in City. That's just my... My opinion, but um, yeah, I think the last two results certainly massively helped going into these games. I think it just takes the pressure off a little bit because you're yeah. now going into that City game, and if Liverpool come away with a win, then they are right back up there with City, like big time. Um, so uh, you know, I think they've got they've got something to really fight for going into that game now. Um, assuming obviously they you know they pick up the three points against Brighton. Is this well? Obviously, the last 
home game out against Burnley was was deeply disappointing. Are there any lingering worries from that for you, Perds, or is that all gone now with the with the away performances against Tottenham and West Ham? Yeah, look, hopefully that's that's all gone. Uh, we won't have a mental block at Anfield again, surely. Um, and I think the signings would have lifted us as well because it's always nice to see new faces in the dressing room. Um, so yeah, no, nothing to sort of compare to the Burnley game. Um, on the new signings, if we're like 4-0 up against City, they might get 10 minutes at the back just to bed in. Right? They get, I think yeah. they might be on the bench, at least one of them. I would expect to see on. one of them on the bench, yeah. Yeah, chuck them on if we're like 3-0 up against Brighton or City. Grizz, I don't know what your thoughts are with uh, with Spurs and West Ham. I think they played perfectly into Liverpool's hands in that they were they were both sort of drawn out, and then once Liverpool scored, then it was it was exactly the the match that Liverpool wanted to play. Whereas with Brighton, their relegation threatened their away from home. I'm feeling it could be very similar in the type of game as it has been against Burnley and a lot of the other games post Christmas that Liverpool really struggled with. Are you worried that there might be any kind of return to that kind of uh, those kind of struggles from Liverpool in this game or, or are you expecting a much more comfortable performance? Um, I slightly disagree in terms of Burn, uh, Brighton being similar to the Burnley or West Brom type games. I actually mm-hmm. think Brighton tried to take the game to teams whether they're sort of top of the table or bottom of the table teams they're playing against. I think they're a far more footballing team than the other ones mentioned. Uh, they've got ball playing central midfielders. Even at the back, they tried to play out from the back, which kind of suits us. You know, in the past, we've scored a lot of goals by stealing the ball off them and and, and then quick transitions. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always a worry because of the fact we haven't clicked against the lower teams, weirdly and strangely, yeah. this season. Against the big teams, against the big games, we've been absolutely amazing and brilliant. Uh, it's time to stop that. And, and and it's encouraging that, look, I thought Mo Salah was absolutely unplayable um, um, against West Ham. And that's an absolute positive sign. Not sure on the status of Mane's uh, injury, hoping that he can come back. Um, and that will sort of definitely uh, make me feel far more comfortable, uh, especially at home. And, um, you know, it's it's imperative that we put these teams away. I'm hoping for a more comfortable game than than the other two that you've mentioned, um, just for the fact that the confidence will be much higher now as well. All right, assuming we get through that game uh, with a win, we come up against City at the weekend. City uh, can go six points ahead, um, assuming we win our game, uh, with their game in hand. Does this become a sort of defining game of the season? Is it a must-win, Grizz, or is it a mustn't-lose for Liverpool, this City game? I hate saying it's a must win because of the fact that there's sort of 17, 18 games to go. Um, yeah. But, but I genuinely think it's a must win for us. Um, it would be huge, huge. It's very similar to when we went there. Sorry. When, yeah, when we went there sort of uh, seven points ahead and the chance to extend it to 10 a couple of seasons ago and we lost and, and they reduced the lead to four points and damn them went on a 17 winning 17 game winning streak that won in the league so i see similarities the, the goal line clearance that absolutely game, that's the one mm-hmm. yeah millimeters away from history and the double um mm-hmm. the big double but you know let's not go back um and depress ourselves but yeah this is a for me it's a must win 
I must uh, I have to say if we can reduce the points to four then it's game on if yeah. they win it's it's, nine it's, it's, clear. it's it's game over in my opinion um, I'm going to be honest and real about it and as I said I'm not the toppest of reds like birds um, yeah, wow. You know, he'll say, yeah, he'll say until it's mathematically possible, you know. <laughs> but, but yeah, but it's a, for me, it's a must win. I think we have to win it, um, and it will just sort of do wonders for our confidence, and then, you know, sort of we can go on from there. Uh, Emma and Perd, same question: must win or mustn't lose? Emma, you first. Yeah, I'm I'm with Grizz on this. I think um, for me, it's all about building that momentum and taking it forward. And I just think a win for Liverpool. Um, will just, you know, off the back of, you know, the, the last two games as well, the last two results, and particularly the last performance, um, I just think it will really kick, kick them on. Um, and likewise with City, I think City getting that getting that gap and uh, overcoming Liverpool, who have been a problem team for them for, for two, three seasons now, um, would be huge for them. Um, so I think, I think it's a must win. Yeah. Perds, agree? Go on, um... do it. Clean sweep. No, no. no. Um, I think we can afford to draw this. Is that wrong? You think? I think I so. There's so we've just gone over halfway through the season, and I might be clutching at straws here, but they nearly drew to Sheffield United at home this week, didn't they? Yeah, well, they're struggling. Fleck, they Fleck had a great chance. From, yeah, they do have Jesus, but they're struggling sort of in that attacking role. I know they played Kevin De Bruyne as a false nine a lot of games, and. They, don't, they still don't seem quite at their imperious best. I think they can be got at. But yeah, it's just the form they're in. It looks like they could pull away. Yeah, we if, said, if yeah. they aren't, if Look, they aren't stopped. They, it's theirs to lose, right? But they have only played West Brom and someone else bad. I know we drew to them. <laughs> but like anyone can go on a bad run. They just happen. This is their period that they're, that they're good. And this is the period that we're bad. You can easily flip. You know, next Liverpool... next week we could be, you know, within one point. Oh, let's hope. Um, Liverpool will probably relish this game more than the Brighton game, you'd say, or at least more than some of the games they've played recently. Is they tend to get up for these these big fixtures that we've seen, even without the crowd at Anfield. So I'm hoping that might be something that would help um, get them over the line. Maybe Emma. Yeah, perhaps, and I don't think um, I don't think the players will have forgotten the humiliation against City. Um, you know, after they had celebrated winning the title, um, yeah. and City came and essentially, you know, kind of embarrassed them a little bit. I don't think the players will have forgotten about that. So um, there'll definitely be a bite in it. There'll definitely be a bit of spice. Um, I think that works for City as well. I think it works both ways. Um, but yeah, I do think uh, the type of intense football that Liverpool play. Um, I think when their emotions get riled up, I think I think it definitely works in their favour. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. To be honest, I think it's going to be a great game. Same. I'm glad we're talking more positively than in previous <laughs> weeks when we've done this <laughs> podcast as well. Although when you said uh, Liverpool players hadn't forgotten about that Man City game, I'd actually forgotten about that. So thanks thanks for reminding <laughs> me, Emma. Sorry. Um, just before we go then, let's get predictions from everyone. I'll start with you, uh, Perds. Um, Go bro- both games, Brighton and Man City. Give us a scoreline. Brighton 3-0. Man City 3-1. As in we All win right, those, yeah. please. Uh, thanks for clarifying. <laughs> yeah. I'll take those results. Emma, what, what are you saying? Uh, Brighton 3-0. Uh, City, I'll go 2-1. I think it's going to be a tight one, but hopefully an open game. 
All right, we've got a clean sweep so far. Grizz, can you complete it, make it the hat trick? Um, I think we beat Brighton 2-0. Uh, and I think we beat Man City 2-1. 2-1, okay. I like that. Yeah. I think I'll go with 2-1 against City as well. I think Brighton, I think it might be more of a struggle. I'm going to say 1-0 Liverpool. I'll go with that. Um, but yeah, we all seem pretty... It's nice to be confident again, We're guys. We're back to Jeez. winning ways. Yeah. <laughs> we are back. Yeah. <laughs> all right well we will leave it on that positive note thank you so much uh for listening if you can please drop us a review wherever you get your podcast we very much appreciated subscribe if you haven't already and you've enjoyed what you heard uh we'll be back again with you next week to talk through hopefully that important six points gained against brighton and man city uh i guess that's all that's left is to say thank you to our contributors today mr Chris khan thank you for joining us it's absolute pleasure thank you for having me all right, and uh, and uh, goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Perd. Say goodbye. Goodbye. And goodbye from Emma. See you later.